This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. This is the Football Roundup, energy sport's longest running football show. Each week our team of football writers and podcasters deliver their views on the weekend's action from Scotland, England and the wider world of football. With our panel bringing knowledge, insight and passion, you can be rest assured of quality from each episode of the Football Roundup. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Football Roundup with me, your host, Taylor Murray. I'm filling in for Jack and Sean as they're away singing their hearts out to Sam Fender today, so I've been given full reins of another podcast since the first one didn't go shambolically wrong. Um, basically, I'll paint you a picture on how I've been given this responsibility. Um, obviously, Sean and Jack, they're away gigging their hearts out. Graham and Cameron are currently ill. Amy's a wee bit too big time to host a football roundup. Jamie's went AWOL, so therefore I've been left as the only possible option to be the host. And that is also down to our first member who, on the panel, would be hosting if it wasn't for such a disastrous weekend. Because I tried papping off the hosting job to him and say, let me speak and you can do it. But due to um, you know, his team being an absolute shit show and his side, both sides, sorry, having American owners dismantle uh, dismantle them. A rant is in store for this man. Struan Garvey, football. Some laugh, ain't it? Oh, it's a, it's a fantastic sport. I, I should also say I did have a uni assessment today that I had to prepare for, so I'm not just lazy, don't worry. I, I, I could have hosted. I'll do it next time. But, um, yeah, it was um, it was a fun weekend of football, and it's, it's why we love the sport so dearly. I, I bet you were smiling when it came to you. Half six at night. Everything's just, you know... Went to plan as you wanted it. Both teams hammered. You you clearly were having a good Saturday, weren't you? Oh, it was absolutely fantastic. There's no better way to round off a weekend, to be uh, perfectly honest. Especially when you're then preparing for a uni assessment on the Monday morning. But uh, hey, you get to rant about it on a podcast after. Even better, rant. You know what they say, speaking is the best form of rehabilitation. Now, next panellist, this is... This is going to be fun, because time is a precious thing. You can't buy it, you can't save it, and you can't lend it. But do I know it can be? It can be a saviour. Because if it was this time last week, I would not be able to bear this person. I would have to mute him. I'd actually probably refuse to be on this podcast. However, fast forward a week, you can see as a result that's been coming. Aidan, sorry, sorry, Aidan Fraser. What is your story? What is your song? Follow the hearts and you'll be rather pissed off. Please tell me, what is your first initial thoughts of hearts right now? Like, well, put it this way, we went top of the week and they still ruined my weekend. <laughs> so, I... We're just drawn to many games at home, mate. I said, I thought home drawn. I went for drawn to Hibs, drawn to Aberdeen, drawn to Buddy Dundee. So, we're still unbeaten, but we're drawn to many games at home. So, Saints away is a massive game on Wednesday. But will you get back to the winning ways? Well, given our last league win there was in 2010, I highly doubt it. Oh, it's going to be tasty. It's going to be tasty. My uh, voice looking like you're a bit injured as well. You just start that by Huddy Nondwe and Oh, you see when he came on on Saturday. I'm pretty sure I've never seen an entire heart support get so annoyed at a substitute so quickly. He just ran about fouling people. Uh, Didn't try a leg, but thought, you know what, I'm just going to push somebody at the floor and act like I'm oh what do you mean it's not a foul 
Huddy, mince, dug meat. Watch him score on Wednesday now, I've said that. Ah, he had a wee bit of fight about him though. A wee bit of dig. Is that not what you're wanting in the midfield? He's ah. a striker, for a start. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly, but you know, as you say, he's about filling folk. That's a midfielder. You need somebody in there. Put him in the midfield, he'll do the job, collect the ball. Anyway, we'll uh. talk, about, talk about collecting the balls. Talk about collecting wins. I'm sorry. No. It's been a weird week of football. Falkirk have done some serious statements and answers. Civil service stores producing an outrageous performance to not cowden beef out of the Scottish Cup. Tremendous, by the way. And even Bonnie Rigg going viral for a tweet. You have to say it's a bit funny. But when you slow down, take a step back, you realise you can't take things for granted. Logan back. What the fuck is happening with your club? We're keeping clean sheets, but <laughs> we just can't score goals. I mean, the only, the only home goals this season have been against Kilmarnock last weekend, but our draws aren't good enough at the moment. We need to start picking up wins. You've not won a game this season. Like, do you want me to describe the, how winning feels? We can all take turns and, you know, describe a wee part of it, like the euphoria and all that, because I know you've not experienced it yet, so I'll happily do it. Well, I mean... Big game on tomorrow night against Rafe Rovers, a derby. So hopefully we'll see a better performance and actually a win. But the way it's going now, I doubt it. You know what they say, a derby, form goes out the window and all that. But would you not be a wee bit scared that Rafe are, you know, on the up? Yeah, of course. I mean, the the last game we played, I thought we were going to get an absolute doing. Uh, ended up drawing one all and played quite well in the second half. First half, we were absolutely brutal. But to be fair to Grant, he made changes at half-time and got something right for a change. Um, but tomorrow night will probably be a very good game and hopefully we get our first win, but I can't see it coming. First win, let's see if it does come. But uh, let's go into more pressing matters. There's usually a big question here where, you know, Jack or Sean provides you a question, we get dig our teeth into it, give our opinions. But no, I'm changing the format a little bit. This... Is probably going to cause issues because I want controversial opinions within football. I want you to give me something that will cause mayhem within the ranks of Twitter, cause absolute outrage on you know radios and TVs, and I want rioting in the streets because of what you're saying. Because this is going to be juicy, and I'll start off by giving an example of a controversial opinion. It's a wee bit you know bog standard. It's a little bit oh. Uh, you know, that's not really controversial, but I'm going to say it. Aberdeen away is not a good away day. Now. Get out. Yes, yes, I'm saying this because, listen, listen. Going to the game, yes, it's alright, you know, getting there, you know, build up because you've got to see your team. However, what a fucking trick. Enter. Well, I am um, for a shock about Aberdeen away this weekend, I can't lie, right? So, picture the scene, tickets come out, I'm told, oh you're working, oh, that's fine, I'll no bother buying one, in fact, you know what, out of the goodness of my heart, I'll buy one for my pal, who's not got enough quality points but five, so you know what, he can go on my account, you know what, because I'll be a nice guy. Twelve hours later, Hearts have sold out the allocation, and I'm told, oh yeah, by the way, next week your work's hosting the COP26 members, you've got a paid weekend off. That's smashing and all, but the allocation's sold out and I can now go to the game, and I can't get a ticket. The ticket I've got to get through the letterbox, I've got to buddy sell. Not happy. Fuming. And for that reason, 
I'm actually going to go on your bandwagon and say, Pataudry, overrated, never wanted to go anyway. Been yes, twice, never that... won, dug me. Yes, that's what I like. Struan, Logan, what's your opinions on Aberdeen's in a way, day? That's a fair trick, like, to, to be perfectly honest. But, um, I don't know. I don't it's not in a way day that I, I, I always associate, but yeah, trick, trick is a problem. For you, it's just a bus, it's just a bus journey up the road, isn't it? It's a three-hour train journey. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting Stirling. My geography isn't the best. Stirling isn't just as far north as in my head it is. <laughs> Mostly because, you know, I'm just sitting in a central belt, ending above slightly a wee bit of Fife. I'm like, yep, that's Ions, mate. That's Ions. <laughs> Logan, you got an opinion on uh, Aberdeen's away day? Don't tell me the fact you think it's one of the best. No, I agree with you. Although the yes. has not played Aberdeen in about nine, ten years, so I've not, I've not actually been to an away day at Pichaudry. But um, I think like even for like a half twelve kickoff on like a Saturday or Sunday, it's a it's a trek for teams like that. But even for teams in the central belt, as you said, it is quite quite a trek, and it's expensive tickets as well. Yes, absolutely disgusting, mate. especially when your team lose. Anyway, Strain, we'll go with you. What's your controversial football opinion? Um, I, I don't actually know if this is too controversial or not, but I, I think that Billy Gilmore is at the wrong club. And I don't mean North City, I mean Chelsea. I think he should move to a different club if he wants to further his career. It's probably going to come back and haunt me when he's three years' time playing in the midfield at Chelsea, but I just feel he needs to go to a club where he's going to be starting regularly and he's going to be one of the first names in the team sheet. Uh, at Chelsea, I, I know they don't always give time to the youth. They have done that in recent years, but I think the bigger issue is the fact that their midfield is absolutely stacked at the moment for the talent and... I just don't see an avenue for Gilmore to be a regular starter at Chelsea for at least three, four years. By that time, you know, he's going to be approaching the middle of his 20s. He needs to be playing regularly. Norwich's alone has just not worked out at all for him. But I think, to be honest, the way he is now, he could start for a team like Manchester United week in, week out, a team like Tottenham, a team like Arsenal. I know, obviously, you don't exactly want to leave Chelsea for a rival, but I think he's good enough to be playing at the top end of England. I just don't think Chelsea are the right team for him. But is this not what was, you know, used against him when he was moved for Rangers out of Chelsea? It's like, ah, Chelsea, they're just a lonest club. They'll just keep on you out, on you out, and then they'll get a fee for you. You won't get in there. Then, obviously, circumstances fell his way. He, uh, club went in a uh, transfer embargo, and he, he got his chance under Lampard. So do you not think that he sees sales like he's been given a chance before? That he can be given that again? I'd, I'd hope so, but I think the problem is he's competing with Jorginho and Kante, who current form are probably two of the best midfielders in Europe. And I think as well what adds to it is the fact that Gilmore needs to be playing now, in my opinion. I think this loan was very good for him, and I think the worry as well of Chelsea is you sort of get lost in that loan pool. You know, certain players who are been at the club for years, you know, think of Van Ginkel and stuff like that, who, who have been on about seven different loans before finally being sold, and... I'm a little bit concerned that that's going to happen to Gilmore. If he doesn't break into that Chelsea team, he's going to want first-team football, as, as any player his ability and age should do. And if it just doesn't come to, to be sold, he might just end up constantly being loaned out. And then in three years' time, he might be at Swansea City or something along those lines. Of course he won't be, because he's too good for that level, no offence. But I, I am a bit concerned for him at Chelsea that he's not really going to get given the opportunity. Yeah, he's far too good. He should be in Real Madrid midfield, let's be honest. Him and Modric pinging the passes. Some baller. Um... And let's go with Logan. Logan, you're next. Let's give me, give me, anger me. What's a controversial football thing? The World Cup every two years with Arsene Wenger saying that uh, it should be every two years. Uh, recently, um, obviously he's joined the, I think it's the FIFA, it's the FIFA chief or something like that. Uh, there's definitely pros and cons to it, but I just think it's a horrible idea. I think the tradition of the World Cup being 
uh, every four years with the Euros in between as well. I think that uh, there shouldn't be a tournament every year. If they were going to do a World Cup every two years, they'd have to do the Euros every two years as well. So I think it's just a horrible idea and ruins the concept and like the traditions of the World Cup. Logan, you scared me for a second there. I genuinely thought I was going to have to kick you off this podcast. I thought you were going to tell me it was a good idea. Uh, it's like I was already, I was already had myself railed. I was like, no, I can't be having this. But yes, you are speaking sense. You cannot have something as gory as the World Cup every two years. It's just it will lose the magic, as you said, and it's just it, it wouldn't even be that gory. It's just like yeah, another tournament coming around and all that. It's, you, these tournaments should be selected for like the Champions League, Europe League, d- domestic tournaments, international tournaments. They hold that gory of you know being very rare, you know, only seeing them once every so often, so I do agree with what you're saying, like, that is a good idea. MDL's else got opinions on that? I think it's spot on, to be fair, I think two years would take it away, you know, I, I always look at the World Cup as being, like, the tournament, and I think what makes it so special is the fact that it only comes around every four years. Ian? Did I see you yeah, I, I, not I, sorry. I reckon that the World Cup, if it was made every two years, number one, it takes away for the pre- the prestige. Number two, like it really, really like throws a massive spanner in the domestic football schedule. Like, how would that work? Like, you have to like cancel the leagues if, whenever it is because some leagues will play through winter, some leagues will play through summer. It would just shake up the domestic football calendar for the worse. Like, and think about the qualifiers as well. Like, how how are you gonna work that out? How are you gonna shoe the horn that all in? And thinking about Euro qualifiers, and thinking about all the club games, like it's just it's just too much. It wouldn't work. Yeah, no, it definitely wouldn't work. Too much like a kerfuffle. Arsene Wenger, you know, a legendary game. Like you're wrong. Um, finally, I know you gave a wee rant on Aberdeen, but Aaron, you got any you know ones you want to anger everybody with? What controversial football opinions? Yes, the Premier League is just not enjoyable to watch anymore, and has not been for a number of years. What, especially this year? as well mm, I don't know I mean I've not watched much of it this year admittedly like, I'll watch it if it's on but I just find myself not bothered about it it's just a tourist league like like you see last night that Man United fan just saw his team get dismantled off Liverpool 5-0 and he goes and asks for Firmino's shirt like, I love that clip how quickly he puts the shirt away I don't you know should if anybody get, sees it you should honestly get locked up for behaviour like that it should be a war crime nah I do, I do agree with you in terms of uh some of the fan engagement is rather questionable, but given the, uh, the break, obviously, the Premier League went downhill. We spoke about it over uh, when the lockdown was happening, uh, over the break, that COVID with no fans ruined the Premier League and it just wasn't enjoyable. But then as soon as fans have came back, um, it's been more entertainment. It was last, last week, Graham said that fans have really upped you know, the atmosphere around the game, it's like they're more appreciative of actual being there, so do you really feel that that hasn't made it more enjoyable to watch? I mean, it was quite hard to watch it with no fans, but obviously it was football, it was on, it was peak lockdown, so you watched it anyway, but seeing us sit and look back at all the lockdown games, like last night, I saw something on YouTube, it was like a video of Man United's goals in like the COVID period, like seeing like this like stands fully advertising holdings like doesn't seem real anymore. Like you're looking at like Martial scoring a forty yard goal in the top corner is walking away smiling because there's something to run to and celebrate to. It's just alien now looking back at it. Let's hope we never have to have that again. But obviously it was 
good to have it on at a time because it was all we had to like get us through that period of time when there was no fans in stadiums. But at the same time, looking back on it, it wasn't actually very good. It was like it was just it was just basically just televised bounce games with fake crowd noise. It was just ridiculous looking back on it, really. Sterling, as a as a man that's got a horse in this race, how do you feel about the Premier League being be, uh, not as good as what everybody made that out, makes it out to be? I think last season was definitely poor. You know, it's really difficult. Even though every game was on TV, it's just the atmosphere was terrible. Do you know what I mean? Even the fake crowd noises, it just it just wasn't the same. And, and I think the Premier League has, to an extent, been boring the past couple of years. But I think a lot of that is down to the money. You know, I think we've seen the relegation teams. It's, it's almost predictable at the start of the season, you know, who's going to go down. And recently, with Man City and Liverpool's dominance, you know, I think the only title race we've actually had in recent times was the one where it was 99 points to City, 98 to Liverpool, because every other season, I think for the past five or six years, they've been decided by about February. So it's it does make it pretty poor watching. But I think it has definitely improved with fans this season. But no, I can totally understand the point. Logan? Yeah, I agree with Aaron. Uh, I think that definitely last season it was... I barely watched it. I watched a few games, but it was more the Scottish League games that I was watching. Um, but certainly this season, I think it's vastly improved with fans getting back, especially the game yesterday. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, watching Mo Salah destroy the Man United defence yesterday. But um, I think just even with the fans being back and atmospheres building again, that it's, it is improving. But last season, and definitely... Um, seasons before it has been quite quite dull what I say is bring on the cinch we all love the cinch best league in the world eh? and talking about cinch in the best league in the world let's go into Scottish football yay um, let's do this in reverse order um, let's go with St Mirren and Rangers since it was the last game that was played so, uh, Rangers ran out 2-1 winners at Paisley after coming from a goal behind with an outrageous strike from Conor Rohan it was Glorious, outstanding, you need to pay credit to it. The first half an hour of the game, St Mirren were obviously the dominant side, but Yanis Adji dragged Rangers back in with one in a pen, which Ruth uh, converted. And then moments later, in fact, no, moments, seconds later, basically, Morelos heads home, uh, easy for me to say, his 100th goal for Rangers and gets them the three points. Let's just talk about this game. Rangers, they haven't been a fully firing best, but they have been finding ways to win games Struan how do you put this down is this just a, a team that knows how to win now or is this just is a wee bit of concern that they're still not you know at their peak performance and it's got to catch up with them I, I don't know if it's going to catch up with them but this this Rangers team has a lot of quality to it and I think quite often that quality is getting them through games you know it's seldom this season I've actually been blown away by a Rangers performance to be perfectly honest I think I've been more interested in the teams like United and Celtic to see how well they've done it's, it's a tough one to call. Obviously, a lot of people said at the start of the season is it the fans that are making Rangers play poorly. I don't think that was really fair, but it's it's a tough one as well. I think I think it should be mentioned as well that this whole Newcastle situation, although Steven Gerrard has said that he's he's comfortable at Rangers, there's definitely doubt in his mind, in my opinion, that, that that job has become available. I don't think he will take it, but it's definitely in the back of his mind thinking, you know, that is an opportunity for him. As for the side in general, though, I do, I do still think Rangers will go on to win the title again this season. I think they are too good. I think they will probably click again. You know, there's quite a few players like Ryan Kent who have just not been performing in the same levels. James Tavenier is back up to the top of the assist chart, but I don't think he's either been at the levels he's previously shown. So it's it's definitely an interesting one. I think a really interesting point, though, is that Ryan Jack will come back. I think he'll add another dynamic to this team that's been missing. Yeah, Ryan Jack has been a huge miss for that Rangers midfield. It's 
something that a lot of people have forgot that he was actually he's been out for seven months and it's been incredible that uh, how much this midfield misses him. Uh, a lot of the last year was covered up with Davis, you know, playing week in week out and somehow creating you know a lot of the. Uh, filling a lot of the holes that you know, Jack had left, but he will be a big player that came uh, when he comes back. Aidan, um, obviously you got, you know, a wee bit excited. i seen you celebrating at Ibrox. I don't know if that was with a Rangers goal or a Hearts goal, but you've seen the man in person, Morelos. What do you make of him? He's been very inconsistent, but he's a ma- he's now scored 100 goals for Rangers and he's such a vital player for them. Uh, what's your thoughts on him? Well... Against Hearts at Ibrox, he missed a few sitters, which I was delighted for, because I've seen him rip us to bits on multiple occasions. I've seen him score plenty of goals against Hearts, so a rare off day for Alfredo Morelos against a team in a maroon shirt. I'll take, I'll snap your hand off for it, because he could have easily won that game by himself if he hadn't just continued to miss sitters constantly. But overall, you can't deny it. They signed him for a million quid back in 2017, and he was just this angry little man, and he still was an angry little man. But he's not an angry little man that scored a hundred goals. So like, you can also tell he's came on massive as a player. Like he's got a much better disciplinary record this season. He's not been sent off yet, which I'm rather surprised at to be fair. But you, you can't deny he's a cracking player, one of the best I've seen play in person in Scotland anyway. Because you can appreciate quality when you see it. Like I still don't like him obviously because he scores goals against us. He's a bit of a bell end, but he's still an excellent player, and you can't deny it. Yeah, you just can't, you know, stay mad at that wee face forever. Oh, it's bad. I mean, you can, to be fair. It annoys me every time I see it. He's never happy. Like, he permanently looks like his mother has got a wet fish and turned him across the job at. Morelos is just a man that's just... He's just never happy unless he's scoring. And even when he is scoring, that wee smile uh, makes it all worth the while. Or the angry, the wee grumpy looks. He's Honestly, when he smiles, I smile. It's just the greatest you know, thing I've ever seen that wee guy sit there all happy and one of the clips during lockdown is when it was uh, Defoe it was Ruth scoring him on the bench caught him oh that was I just I love him I do I generally do love him um, Logan let's go on to St Mirren they have been a surprise package this year This year, they've you know ever since that 6-0 defeat they've been incredible they've won every game since and obviously it was a tall order to try to beat Rangers and Celtic uh, within the same, you know, match, uh, running the matches before they have to play each other again. But what do you make of it, man? Do you think they'll break into the top six, or uh, do you think that they could even push maybe a wee bit higher? I think that um, I mean they're a very well organised side. I mean Jim Goodwin's got them playing uh, very good football as well. I think managing to keep McGrath in the summer uh, late on in, on deadline day was a massive thing as well because he's a key player for them. They've also made some like key signings, uh, and then they've got like the the stable defence as well. You know Fraser, Shaughnessy. I think that the they've got a good system, and then they've also got Erhan in midfield, who I think he went off injured yesterday, but he's a young player who looks like he's developing every season that he's playing now. So I think that they will break in, break into the top six if they stay consistent. Now it was only a couple of years ago where it was uh, St. Man chairman was saying saying yes. Um, St Mirren will be breaking into the top four, we'll be challenging for Europe, and obviously that was rightly laughed off. But he, it was only, I think, 2018 he altered it, or 2019 altered it, said it will be a constant top six side, and I, I'm starting to now believe him, because St Mirren generally look like a, 
a dark horse where it'd been a club that could be regular in that top six. It was St Johnston for a while, and obviously last year Callum Davidson done incredible well. St Johnston won uh, two trophies and uh, did he finish the top six? I can't mind, I think he did finish the top six. But under Tommy Wright, they were constant in Europe, you know, challenging for in Europe, getting finished in the European spaces. But I think St Mirren could take that uh, hold now. I think they could go in and be that club that's constantly surprised everyone being up there. Do you, do you think that that could be something that St Mirren get a hold of? Or do you think that's just a wee bit fanciful and that it's just a good start to a season, uh, Strun? Sorry, my mic. Um, it's an interesting one with St Mirren, to be honest, because coming into the season, a lot of people were saying, you know, is this going to be the season that they finally crack into the top six? And it's it's, it's a tough one to call. I, I agree totally with what Logan was saying. I think keeping McGrath was massive, especially when it looked like he may have been going to Hibs on a deadline day back in the summer. I think he will be key to that. But it's, it's a tough one to call. I think Jim Goodwin is a really good manager. To be honest, I think he's done a really good job, and I think it's been it's been tough for St. Mirren the start to the season that they've made coming into it. Obviously, got a big result against Aberdeen, and they've been trying to kick on from there. But it's it's a tough one, and against Rangers, you know, you have to have to have the customary penalty as well, of course. But they, um, I'm kidding, of course. But uh, yeah, it was it was that's not the poorest performance to be honest. You know, coming into that game, you do expect to lose to Rangers, but I thought St. Mirren put on a performance that you could be proud of, to be honest, in many ways. Yeah, they definitely put up a good fight and had it a lot. It doesn't help as well that they don't really have a striker. I, I just Eamon Brophy is not exactly going to be the man to score you twenty or thirty. Yeah, no, I f- Eamon Brophy was a wee bit a nuisance, you know, holding the ball up and all that, but he wasn't doing much for the striking department. Looked like a threatening goal. So from one side of the road for him to the other, Celtic ran out two 0 winners against St Johnson and uh, Greek striker Jorgis Yakimakis definitely butchered that. By the way. On his first start, got his first Celtic goal before Giranovic coming back from injury and slotting away to Celtic from the penalty spot. It's another clean sheet and they're now up to fourth. Logan, Celtic, are they now finding a wee bit of form and is Ange Postacoglu settling in as a manager at Celtic and finding you know, his way? I think he's... I mean, the, the back four, I think that's probably the, his best back four that he started on uh, Saturday. I think that Juranovic has came in, he's played well, obviously he's been injured recently, but he scored the goal on Saturday. I think that Carl McGregor, players like Carl McGregor, Anthony Ralston and then Kyogo obviously are thriving in the, since Ange's came in. And then obviously it's it's crucial for the the striker, uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna, the Greek striker, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, uh, to, try, to get his first goal because you know, he'd be, be wanting to get that off the mark and then he's got that and it was a good win for Celtic on Saturday I think. Aaron, Furahashi has been, you know, an outstanding signing for Celtic. He's been infectious for the Celtic uh, fans, and they have bought into what Angie's doing with him being a leading presser up front. How impressive have you been with him, and how much is uh, he a big miss when he isn't in that Celtic side? I'll admit it, his debut at Tynecastle, I'm thinking, who is this boy? And I, he, he done nothing to be fair, but obviously it was his first games so off the bench, so didn't get too much of time to assert himself. But admittedly, since then, he's shown his quality. He's a great finisher. He's very fast, very skillful, infectious character. Like I've never found a Celtic player so likable. I'll be honest. I don't like Celtic players, but you can't help but like look at him and think, what a lovely wee guy. But he's a great player as well. I can't deny it. And uh, hopefully. He can be kept quiet when Hearts visit Parkhead in a few weeks' time. I believe on a Wednesday night, which would be joyous, I'm sure. But 
look, he's a very good player, great finisher, speedy, like, and most importantly, he gets the fans on their feet. He's a, he's a player that if he gets the ball, the fans expect something, and he often delivers it. So you can't fault the signing like Hugo Furuhashi. He's been a great player for Celtic so far this season. He was definitely a player that uh, a lot of unknown about him. Uh, obviously, Ange Postecoglou knew him from his time in J League, and people who don't know who a player is instantly writes him off. And coming in, he was a player out and went, don't know much about him. Coming from Japan, will he be able to settle in? We've seen players even just come up for England that can't settle in this settle into this league. But he settled in well, and I can remember when it was at the old firm at Ibrox when he was playing out in the left. Uh, Rangers kept him quiet, and I was like, "Yeah, that's fine. He's he might just be a player that can turn up and see small games and not do much." But the fifteen minutes that when he moved through the centre, holy god, my heart was in my mouth. Him as a striker through the middle was scary because as it's talked about his pressing from the front which is a big part part of uh, Ange Postecoglou's philosophy was causing Rangers a lot of issues and him doing that really does you know stimulate the full team into performing well we've seen it um, against Ferran Faros during the week that he was pressing from the front and they were causing them into mistakes and that gave Celtic in the front foot which then puts the fans in the front foot so he definitely is a player that can influence a full team even from the front of uh, the team but Struan St Johnson what are they like they're in a wee bit of trouble they can't seem to find consistency can they it's, it's not good at all to be honest I mean I mean, one thing you would associate with St Johnston certainly coming off the back of last season was they knew how to defend but this year it's just not been the case you know I think it's it did kind of go from bad to worse in the summer, obviously losing their captain and Jason Kerr and Ali McCann in the final day of the transfer window. You know, that's your best player and your captain away. It's it's not great at all. And, and they have struggled to come back from there. I mean, F.A. Ambrose is not exactly a signing who's going to spark any life into that team. It's, it's a difficult one. Callum Davidson signing a new contract. I thought that was going to at least spur the players on a little bit more. I thought they would maybe, you know, go up a gear again knowing that he's going to be staying, but it, it's just not been the case at all. I think another major concern from St Johnston is they just don't have a striker. You know, people were saying last season if they had somebody who could put in 30 goals a season, they'd be right up there at the top. They just, I mean, Chris Kane, Stevie May, they're just not it really at all. It's it's a difficult one. I don't think St Johnston will be in any sort of relegation danger. I think they are too good for that, but I, I can't see it being an enjoyable season for Saints fans. But at the same time, they had such a good year last year, it's probably not too, too fussed at the end of the day. But it's, it's definitely a change because I know a lot of people way back in the beginning and tipped St Johnson to push for the top half of the table to at least get into the top four or five push for European places but no that just seems like a dream yeah um, I completely forgot that St Johnson even signed F. Ambrose that's a signing that uh, his exactly it's, it's so under the radar and it's just not, not made a difference although I'd taken back him yeah. <laughs> he's, he's one that uh, I remember when he did sign I was like that oh they're just trying to get bodies in you know somebody to show that defence since they've lost care but it's just not worked, and as you said, losing McCann in the last day has screwed them over. Although they did, although the chairman came out and explained why they done it, which I am all for, because you know it gives the fans clarity, they understand the reason behind it. But it's kind of put them in a heap of trouble. Uh, Logan, do you think St Johnston? They're sitting in tenth. Do you think they could be in danger of being one of the two that could possibly go down? Nah, I think they've got too much quality in their, uh, their squads for that I think that th- their defence will 
I think it's quite strong enough to not concede many goals. I mean, they've not had a good start to the season already, but I think they will start to pick up form. Uh, Cam Davison, you know, he's not an experienced manager yet, but he did have a very successful season last season. And I think that maybe the 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 Europe spell that they had at the start of the season maybe affected their start to the season a wee bit. A hectic schedule, and now they're just starting to get into their Premiership season. You know, they've got the Scottish Cup coming up in the next few months, but that's nothing to worry about now. You know, they focus on the league, and I think that they'll be stronger than the likes of Livingston and Dundee and Ross County. Now, on a team um, where they've got too much to uh, quality to go down, and we know where this has got to go, Hearts versus Dundee. An emphatic one, sorry, draw last week at Ibrox after scoring late on. A lot of good feeling about the club, and uh, Hearts have been unbeaten still in the league. Hearts hosted Dundee at home, and it looked like they were going to get all their points until the 83rd minute. Jason Cummins decides, nah, it's not happening. Uh Aaron, come on, tell me. Hearts, what is it with draws? It's just frustrating. It's just very frustrating because we don't take our chances and then we're made to pay. Jason Cummings, you could have put your house on him score at Tynecastle. He's always loved the goal against us. His heart's through and through, but obviously given they got released, he's thinking, I'm going to make it my personal mission to score against you every single time I play you at Tynecastle. And he's the road for good measure, to be fair to him. But... It was just a stick on. Like I had that feeling about it, right? Heart, we, we said right from half time, Hart need a second goal to kill this game off. Mackay Stephen hits the post. We don't look like scoring much after that. As the game goes on and on and on, you're thinking, we need a goal, need a goal. And then, of course, Cummings pops up and heads a goal in. And you're thinking, well, you can see it coming a mile off. A very, very frustrating game because it's so annoying. Because John Suter scoring a ridiculous edge of the box, top corner strike means nothing now because we dropped points it's just it's so frustrating that we can't seem to kill teams off we need to take more of our chances need to be much more clinical but right now it's just not looking that way and it's frustrating because yes we're in a good position we're well like we're sitting at the top of the with 20 points already and a bit of perspective might be needed because i've already seen more league wins than i saw two seasons ago <laughs> so when you so when you put it that way it's like we've come on leaps and bounds, but at the same time, you want to stay in the position you're in, and we have to kill teams off, we have to be more clinical. And right now, it's just not happening for us. We're scoring goals, yes, fair enough, but we're not scoring enough goals, we're not killing teams off. And as we saw on Saturday, teams can get points against us with late goals, and we just need to finish teams off, but it's just not clicking for us at the moment. I'm hoping St Johnston away, we can really make a statement. If we can kind of break our... Perth curse of over 10 years without a league one there which is ridiculous in itself if we can get 3 points in Perth that's a real show of intent and it would give the Hearts fans a bit more hope but we've got 2 massive away games St Johnson away very tough Aberdeen away despite their recent shortcomings very tough recent I'm, I'm no Sean Connolly it's just very very <laughs> tough we've just got to see how it goes but I'm I'm looking forward to it but at the same time I'm not because it can either go we can get two positive results or we could get beat twice and then uh, I don't want to think about the state of Jambo's kickback after that. Aaron, you just, I'll stick with you here, you just mentioned that perspective is needed and a lot of us here when we were done our predictions at the start uh, kind of tipped Hearts to be in the mid-table and do you really think that Robbie Nielsen is still the man who could potentially be that manager that breaks the trophy duct and uh, 
go on and win something big like a cup with like Scottish Cup and that because it was only two seasons ago by the way where he's were all calling for his head uh, no two seasons ago last year sorry he's are calling this, for it was like a couple of months ago yeah it was like uh, last year calling for his head it started a couple of months ago it was the same thing but he's shown as a manager that he can do well with hearts he's are still unbeaten 10 games in so perspectives are needed and do you think these are just a wee bit harsh there's a section of your fans sorry that are a wee bit harsh on Nielsen and have probably not wanted him since the start there's a section of our fans that Robbie Nielsen could win the treble unbeaten and then still criticise him like some folk just can't see past the Hibs Cup replay where they called it a money spinner we got pumped out and they went to win the cup some people quite rightly still can't see past Bronner I wanted them going after Bronner I can't lie but to be fair to him he's turned it around and Look at us now, we're flying. But there's a some as a set of the fans like the second any a minor inconvenience, their first answer is just Nielsen out because they just can't stand the guy because of those two cup results he's had. And like I can see if like if we were still doing poorly and we're still kind of started the season average, okay, fair enough. You can say there's not been much improvement since Broder get him gone. But it's the fact that after Broda, okay, we won the week, fair enough, he was expected to do that, but we've come up and we're absolutely flying. Like, I can't remember I've seen a Hearts team start this well in ages. We're playing good football, yes, we've dropped a few silly points here and there, but overall, Robbie Nielsen right now is the man for the job, and he needs to be given that time. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like he, given the time, he will prove the fact is he's a manager that Hearts need and the one that Hearts want. Logan... Looking at Dundee, they got the first one last week against Aberdeen, which, looking back on it, uh, might be the turning point Aberdeen needed and what Dundee needed. Uh, do you think they could be staying up and they could be on a, a wee bit of runny form here, or is this just um, two good game, two games in the bounce where they've managed to pick up points and they'll still be you know near the bottom? It's a difficult one because there's lots of teams similar to Dundee in, uh, at their um, position in the league at the moment. I think that they have got their quality on their side. You know, they've obviously signed uh, Griffiths in the summer. Uh, they've got Charlie Adam in the centre of the park. And then they've also got the likes of Sweeney and Ashcroft at the back who are always uh, a threat from set pieces. So um, I think that it will be difficult for them to stay up. You know, James McPake has made a few good signings in the summer, but um, I think it'll be a battle team in Ross County and Livingston. Would you say that uh, James McPake is probably still the man for Dundee, or can you see him being one of the first casualties of the season and uh, them swap him? It's, it's obviously going to be between him or Malky Mackay, you would think, eh? Yeah, I think McPake's, he's, he's, I think he'll still be in the job come the January transfer window, unless it goes drastically wrong there. I think that the, the signings that he's made, he's made quite a few into that Dundee side, and I think they've still maybe gelling with each other, but I think that with the quality that they have, I think McPake will be hoping to get the best out of them and get some wins on the board because that's what they, they've not had much luck this season so far. Yeah, they've not had much luck uh, whatsoever. But talking about a team that's not had much luck and not been doing well, Aberdeen. Aberdeen hosted Hibernian at Pataudry, looking to get their first one in 10 games, which is a wee bit you know, shocking when you think of a team of uh, size Aberdeen. But they managed to win one 0 against a high flying Hibs. I say that way, you know, wee bit intent because Struan might disagree with me. But Christian Ramirez managed to get all three points in the first half with a nice strike. Glasses side battled their way, you know, throughout the second period with a makeshift defence after losing Calvin Ramsey and Declan Gallagher injury. 
However, Hibbs, who had Darren McGregor sent off in stoppage time, managed failed to register a shot on target, which means that Jack Ross remained fifth in a third straight defeat in a row. Strain, is Hibbs falling off the rails here, or Jack Ross just no picking the right team? What's happened? I think it's a combination of issues, to be honest, at Hibs. And I wasn't even surprised. I know that sounds really sad to say, but coming into this game, I knew Aberdeen hadn't won in 10, and you just sort of knew it was coming. It's been... There's been there's been a variety of issues at Hibs. It's hard to pinpoint exactly one thing. I know Ross has his critics. I don't really want to just go all in on Jack Ross, because I think there's so much more to this. Obviously, defensively, Hibs have been shocking this season. You know, you put in a cross into the box, you've got a 50-50 chance of scoring it. When you, you look back at the goal... I don't know what Paul Hanlon's thinking the way he steps out into the space, but it's it's poor. They can't decide on a centre-back partnership either. Nathan Wood was brought into the club. I was sceptical of that signing in the first place. I thought it was a really strange one. And then, obviously, he's dropped after one game after a 3-0 defeat to Dundee United. McGregor's come in, obviously gets a red card at the end. You know, the, I think the big point I would make is that Hibs are lacking leaders at the moment, and it's, it's horrible to see Scott Brown on the other side of the pitch, given how badly Hibs wanted to sign him in the summer. And you see Darren McGregor, obviously the senior player in the team at the time, getting a red card in the 97th minute. It, it just doesn't bode well at all. And and I think finally as well, the fact that I'm criticising the defence, but if you go forward, Martin Boyle is the only outfield player really in the attacking sense that's that's been up to much this season. You know, McGuinness and Doyle Hayes have been really good in the midfield, but if Martin Boyle's not scoring or creating, Hibbs really lack up front. It's, it's There's definitely a few concerns for Hibbs, and that's why I'm loath to, to put the blame on Jack Ross. Yeah, because... At start of the season, even you can admit yourselves, you started really well. And when you look back in the uh, fixtures, from the 12th of August to that Rangers game on the 3rd October, you didn't lose a game. And it looked like, I don't think he's lost a game, I think he's drew with Hearts. Yeah, he's drew with Hearts and had uh, St Mern. So yeah, The goalkeeper off. You, you managed to, you know, put uh, together a good run of results and although the performances, as you say, at the back weren't 100% there, you were finding a way to win games. But is this like the same situation as Rangers where you're not performing well but now you aren't finding the wins whereas Rangers are finding the win? Yeah, I, th- I think that's another reason why I don't really want to go in on Jack Ross. You know, Hibs made a really good start to the season and albeit they didn't really play too many of the top teams, I know that definitely needs to be taken into consideration but I thought Hibs have looked good at times but as I said I think without Martin Boyle performing in this in the same way with Rangers as you say without some of your players up front performing well Hibs have struggled a lot Kevin Nisbet's not been at it this season hopefully he finds his feet I think Christian Doidge is a really big injury you know at the time I don't think many people saw it as a significant one but just seeing the difference that he can make to that team a natural out and out number nine you know he'll do the dirty work he'll be a fox in the box it's, it's a massive loss James Scott has come in and has been pretty awful to, to be perfectly honest Jamie Murphy again you just don't know what you're going to get with him at all either one game he looks looks up to something and he looks like he might be coming through and then the next is he's just not quite at it but um, I should also say Scott Allen I think has had a really good season at times I felt sorry for him you know obviously he had to come off in the Rangers game because of the Porches red card he looked like he was going to be off in the summer involved in that Jamie McGrath deal but I think he's done really well and I think I think it's just a case of now trying to get in the players who are performing you know he needs to drop players when they're not it's just it's just unfortunate with his options at the moment that he is short up front. Yeah, Scott Allen has been a very mature player. He's one that's not uh, you know kept up a fuss when he knew he might have been going out the door. Worked hard and looks like he's uh, been a big player for Jack Ross when he's needed him. But Logan, looking at Aberdeen, how big a win is that? Finally, ten 
wins, 10 games without a win and he's finally done it. Is that could be something that he could kick start on or is this just um, the winning so many games? I think it's massive for Aberdeen. Um, I think that it was much needed at this time. Uh, you know, Hibs is definitely not an easy game. Um, I think that, especially being at home as well, they needed to get the three points there. Disappointing results for, over the last few weeks have caused Aberdeen fans to want the manager sacked already in the season. But I think that the finish from Ramirez was a really good finish. Uh, needed for his confidence as well to start scoring a few goals because he needs to try and get more wins for Aberdeen on this side. Um, now they've got the f- a few injuries in the team. I've seen you know, Calvin Ramsey went off with the injury at the weekend, so did Declan Gallagher. Uh, so Stephen Glassie just try and build on this win, but it will be difficult now with the injuries that have sustained on Saturday. Aaron, we heard during the week that um, the chairman went on BBC Sport, uh, Sports Sound and basically gave a big massive public back into Glass and he nearly made a rod. He essentially made a rod for his own back because if this didn't work, then obviously he's got to look stupid. Glass has got more pressure on him, but Glass mentioned in his uh, pre-match pressers that obviously he doesn't look at this. He's all the responsibilities on him and the players, and that the board have done everything they can. Is this something that Glass? Is this pressure that Glass didn't need? And obviously it looks like it might have paid off, but did. Uh, I forgot his chairman's name. What's the chairman's name again? It's and it's literally on the tip of my tongue. Dave Cormack. Dave Cormack. That's it. Dave Cormack put unnecessary pressure on Glass for this game. Uh, obviously, after that public, you know, backing. Yes, I believe so. Aberdeen fans were quite rightly furious at what they heard, and obviously, they've got that one against Hibs. Fair play to them, but I do feel that if they dropped points or even lost, it could have turned really sour. So I think they're treading a fine line there, backing him so publicly and so um, stupidly, I feel, because like, some of the stuff they were coming out with, like, come on, amateur hour. Like, it, was, it was vintage cinch. It was great to laugh at. But if you're an Aberdeen fan, you're sat there going, what are you slavering? Just get off the mic, mate. So, yeah, one of the best ones. And it's is... also only one win, so who knows? The wheels could come off the good Chip Patodre and then he'll be out the door. Yeah, one of, one of the best comments that Cormac made was that uh, Alan Burrows phoned him after the Murrow defeat, saying that that was the best performance uh, Aberdeen have put in. And I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, that Murrow beat Aberdeen. It was a 2 or 3 nil or something. And I'm like, why would you admit that? Why would why would you admit the fact is another, another uh, chairman is having to say that was your best performance instead of you saying, I think it's my best performance? It... It was comical all round, and as you said, they were treading a fine fine line with that, and maybe it was the last throw of the dice, maybe it's something that Cormac felt that he needed to do, and it was clearly worked right now, but we won't be holding our breath to see if it will pay off. Um, finally, some other games that happened, you know, around... Uh, Scotland. I'm not going to spend too much time on this because there's one game I need to get to that I really want to talk about in England. But Ross County hosted Livingston for the Battle of the Bottom. Harry Clark opened the scoring for the Staggies, but Livingston managed to get one back on the half hour of the game. Then, right before half time, I see where my geography might not be pretty good. Livingston is still classified as West Lothian, isn't it? Yeah. 
somebody help me out here because that's going to be a really embarrassing if it's yes, not. Yes, it is. Thank you. My geography is terrible. The West Lovings they did take the lead through uh, Odin Bailey. I think I've pronounced that right. Just after half time, the Highland side grew back into the game by showing grit and determination. And on the 67th minute, they won a penalty, which Ross Callahan slotted away. But both sides looked like they were going to get the points until the late substitute, Tom Parks, won the game for Livingston, which moves them up to nine, six points off the bottom. Aaron, Martin Dale managed to get his side back to winning ways. Not pretty, but he's winning ugly. Is that important for survival? Of course it is. I mean, it's anyone's welcome for a team like Livingston. They don't care how they win. They'll win by parking the bus, putting 11 men behind the ball, including the technical staff. They don't care. If they get enough points, they get enough wins, they'll stay in the Premier League. That's all they're really fussed about. Obviously, they're a good season in lockdown. They got to a cup final. Obviously, it wasn't at St. Johnston, but for a club of Livingston's size, it's very impressive. But they, like, their goal every year is just to remain in the league, I feel. And whatever happens after that's a bonus. But... Any win's a good win, but a win that late on to show character, they'll take a lot of belief from that, and they'll hopefully, for their sake, apply it in other games coming up. But I was very impressed with the manner of their victory. They didn't give up. They're known for not giving up, and I'm, I was very impressed for them. They got the three points in the end. Yeah, very impressed I was too. Now, on the other game, Murrell, uh, Dundee United hosted Murrell as the third part side travelled all the way up to Dundee. The two goals for Dundee United came through Ironware, Ryan Edwards and Charlie McGrew who got the winner, but the other goal came for Murrow was a Tony Watt penalty. Logan, Dundee United are continuing to be that surprise. They're still up in third. What do you make of them? Oh, they're flying at the moment. I think the Dundee United fans will be regretting their words that they said at the start of the season. A lot of them were doubting Tam Coates when he got appointed, thinking that they should have went for a more experienced manager to try and push them into that top six, but Tam Coates has got them right up the, end, the right end of the league and I think that they're playing very good football, you know Charlie Mulgrew came out I think it was uh, on Saturday after the game saying that he was playing some of the best football of his career so I think that, uh, that no, they've got a very good side there, even with losing Lauren Shanklin which is a big uh, miss in the, the summer, they've uh, reacted well to it and look at the start they've made Yeah they've made a great start uh, on Tam Courtstrand you've been uh, a guy who's been really you know talking Tam Courts up you've been uh, admiring him this season saying that you're really impressed with his work uh, what do you make of him still you know showing it and being up in third I think he's done fantastically to be honest you know at, at the beginning I did have doubts you know coming through the system what kind of an appointment it was going to be but I think he's done absolutely fantastic to be honest I mean United are third in the table they ended Rangers on beat and run they came back from behind against Celtic they beat Hibs 3-0 convincingly. They won the Dundee Derby and they're currently sitting third in the league. It's, it's pretty impressive, to be honest. I think they've done a really good job. And I think what impresses me the most is just the fact the way the manner, the way the manner, the same thing, the way that they're winning these games. You know, it's not exactly pretty on the eye, but they're doing it really well defensively. And it's it's now at the point where Charlie Mulgrew is getting tipped for a recall to the Scotland national team. And to be honest, I'm, I'm coming around to the idea ahead of the likes of Scott McKenna because... They've been absolutely fantastic at the back. You know, Benjamin Segrist is one of the best keepers in Scotland as well. They're just a really good team to watch. You know, signing somebody like Dylan Levitt on loan from Manchester United as well. It's a really astute signing. Ian Harks, Player of the Month, has been excellent. It's it's a really enjoyable team. Fuchs is another one who's been excellent. I just, I just think Tam Quartz deserves a lot of praise for what he's done because people were tipping them to go down at the start of the season and saying that, you know, Dundee would be the better of the two sides. But I think United have been the surprise package by far this season in this inch. 
Yeah, I was one of the ones who did think Dundee United would be around about the bottom of the table, maybe just survive. But one thing that got to me when I was reading about it is Tam Courts, I think it's something he said like near the start of his managerial career, he has a lot of doubts of his ability. And even when the team won, he sits and looks and thinks to himself, I don't think I'm good enough to take this team. And it clearly shows that he doesn't have a lot of belief in himself, but the players have a lot of belief in him. Uh, do you feel like that lack of belief in him really is something that he shouldn't really be you know, holding against him and that the players belief in him should be everything he needs to go, I'm actually a good manager, I just need to you know, keep this up and focus on you know, get the best possible result for Dundee United? Yeah, definitely. I think the fact that the players are going for him, obviously there was doubt, I think there would have been doubt amongst the camp as well unsure about whether or not he was the right man to take them forward but I think the it's almost a case of doing the talking on the pitch you know he's getting them the results and I think he's fully got the backing now behind the team yeah I totally agree with that uh, Dundee United are very impressive and the back of team is well behind Tam Courts um, before we move on to England I'm just going to have a wee look at the Scottish Championship results Ayr drawn with Abroth don't know if Jack will be happy with that. He'll probably be sitting saying he's content. He'll probably still be angry because it's a part-time team he's you know drawn with. Come on at one two one against Hamilton. That is, to me, that was a shock. By the way, I generally thought that Come on would have run away with that, but Battle of the Astro, you know, <laughs> anything can happen. But I can't go past this section without talking to you, Logan Dunfermline. What is happening? Please, you're a Dunfermline fan. Uh, probably all your life, you said that you've got your email probably since you're 11 that has done filming in it. Explain to me what your club is doing and why have they not sacked Peter Grant yet? I think the, the, the club statement that they put out a few weeks ago uh, says it all really. I think that was an absolute shambles what they put out. Um, saying that they were backing Grant and that the the game against Queen of the South, we got beat 1-0 at Palmerston. Uh, the new sporting director, uh, Thomas Megal, uh, he tried to claim that we got ruled out of a, a goal that was not apparently onside when they showed on the highlights on YouTube that it was about two yards offside. So they were kind of contradicting themselves a wee bit there and the club's just a bit of a mess at the moment. I think that a lot of people predicted us to finish at the top end of the table, either first or second. Um, I wasn't as confident. I still think we'd make the playoffs. But it looks like it will be the relegation playoffs at best. I mean, it's only 10 games in the season, but we need to start picking up points and fast. See, I'll, something that came in my head when I was watching the absolute comedy show of the Falkirk you know, Q&A, there's a lot of parallels between Falkirk and Dunfermline like, right now this season. There's two clubs who are doing shockingly bad where they shouldn't you know, be where they are in the table and they should probably be doing a lot better. But they've got two boards that are backing a manager that's underperforming. What do you make Aidan Fellman still like, you know, taking this approach? Are you worried the fact that you could be in League One along with Falkirk and, you know, where that's uh, how that's worked out for them? Or do you feel confident that Peter Grant will turn this around and that the board's backing is, you know, warranted? I think that if he doesn't win, I mean, we've got a couple of tough games coming up. I mean, we've got Rafe Rovers on Tuesday and then Arbroath on Saturday. So they're two, two tough games. Arbroath away is a very tough fixture. I think that we've got a few draws in the past few games. I think it's like five draws out of the last six games or something like that. So we've only lost one in our last six. 
but we need to start picking up, up points. I think that the squad that we've got has got the capability capability of being in the playoffs, but I think the manager's just too far out of his depth to manage the squad. Yeah, it's worrying times for Dunfermline and its supporters. Now, as we move on to England, there is only one place to start, and it's Man United versus Liverpool. Liverpool ran out 5-0 winners as Man United were completely utter bombarded from the start from Jurgen Klopp's side. Even with Ronaldo, they didn't look any hope of getting back in, although he did score a goal it was offside. They didn't look like a side that could match Liverpool. And I've wrote my notes here. Man United versus Liverpool, Sturoon, allow all the time in the world, ask all the questions. I'm going to do exactly that. Sturoon, it is sitting at 56 minutes. I don't care if this is an hour and 56 minutes. I want you to see your piece on why Man United are in this situation and why is it 17 minutes past four and Ollie is still in his job. I, I won't be too long because I know some of us have got other places to be, but... It's a, this was a result coming, to be honest. If you looked at the Leicester game, if you looked at the Atalanta game, if you looked at many of Manchester United's performances this season, they were basically just waiting for a good team to come up against them and mop the floor with them. And that's exactly what happened. You know, it's it's tough. Again, it's it's a similar to the situation at Hibs almost. I think it's the complete opposite. I know that didn't really make much sense, but there are so many individuals who are underperforming in this game that it's hard to pinpoint one. It's hard to put the blame on one player or one individual. I think the only player who can come out of that match with any sort of confidence from a Manchester United point of view is the goalkeeper, Dav De Gea, and they got beat 5-0, which is just not great at all. I think Ole has lost the moderates, apart from Gary Neville. I think he's still fully backing him, I believe. But other than that, I think a lot of people are now fully convinced that he's not the right man for the job, which is a shame, because I think, I think he has done a really good job with turning the club around. The squad as a whole is probably the strongest it's been since Sir Alex Ferguson. Some of the signings have been excellent, but if you just need to put it simply, you know, the team signed Jadon Sancho, Rafael Varane and Cristiano Ronaldo and actually got worse. And I think it's sort of coming home now that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer just isn't the right man for the job. It's it's plain and simple. I don't know if he will get the sack. I don't think the board are that fussed. I think they're happy with top four and nothing else other than that. But only time will tell, I guess. For Liverpool though, unbelievable victory. You know, a really strong performance coming into it. They didn't have Fabinho. I think that was going to be a big loss for them, but didn't turn out to be at all. I think they were really strong. And Mo Salah is just an unbelievable player. He is in the form of his life right now. It's it's ridiculous, to be honest. I think that's seven Premier League games in a row he scored. He, he could go after the Jamie Vardy record, and I'd fully back him to break it. He has been fantastic. Yeah, Liverpool were outstanding. They were a team that possessed, and Salah is arguably one of the best players in the world right now, if not the best on his current form. But uh, looking at <laughs> it's so hard to, you know, look at Liverpool's, you know, emphatic one without just looking at, as you said, the obvious signs that this was coming from Man United. It's uh it said that this is ten years and one day since they lost six one at Manchester City. A lot of people said that that was one of the darkest uh, darkest results in their Premier League history. But then a lot of people compare their that performance in that game to the performance performance in the game yesterday and that the performance levels in yesterday's game was a lot lot worse and that Liverpool if they wanted to could have made that easily 8 or 9 do you go along with that? Yeah I think this was a far worse result you know looking back to the 6-1 that game was 3-1 until the 90th minute and then from there it just sort of 
fell apart completely. Looking at this game, it was just a shambles, to be honest. <laughs> 5-0 probably does flatter Manchester United, and the fact that they had 10 people on the pitch at the end also is probably quite beneficial, given, I think, Cristiano Ronaldo and Fred and possibly Harry Maguire also could have seen red on another day. It's a, it's a poor performance, and I think it's shocking that a man who's been in the job for almost three years still doesn't have a system, still doesn't know his best to live in, still I think his favouritism is coming through with certain players who I don't understand why they, they don't get dropped you know I think the team now has the depth the fact that he's, he's signed Jaden Sancho for 70 plus million in the summer and he's been a bench warmer which is the exact same situation that Donny van de Beek 40 million was the previous year it's it's a very difficult one but as Michael Cox said on Twitter that could be one of the worst performances you know regardless of the scoreline just the performance was terrible the players didn't look like they knew who they were Man United's press is one of the worst presses you'd see. You know, going to blooming Sunday League, you see a better press than that. It was it was shocking to be honest. You run out of adjectives really to be to flatter Manchester United as to how poor that performance was. Before we move on to another game, soon I need to ask you this: If Ollie would be sacked right now, who do you see coming in, or who would you want to see coming? I think that's one of the big issues with this, and one of the reasons why I'm I'm loath to instantly talk about sack Ollie Ollie out and all that is I don't think there is an obvious candidate. You know, if you if you think back to when Chelsea sacked Frank Lampard, a bit of a similar situation, they waited and waited and waited during that season, and then Thomas Tuchel became available after sack from PSG, and they moved the move then. At this point in time, I just don't think there's an obvious candidate. I think Zidane and Conte are the two free agents who you'd think would be the best caliber of manager. I think Conte's probably a better manager in that sense, but. I don't know. I think Eric Ten Hag would be really fun. I think he's a fantastic manager, but and he could bring Van der Sar with him. But I don't think that would happen until at least the summer. Yeah, that's a very very sticky. Steve situation. Bruce to answer your question. Bring back Steve Bruce. Oh, yep. I miss him already. I think he'd be more appreciated by United fans than he would be by Newcastle fans. How <laughs> was the bacon? Did you say? <laughs> Talking about bacon, Chelsea roast at Norwich. Thank you, Aaron, for that. <laughs> Even though you don't I sincerely ro- hope I never hear you speak again. Yeah, generally, you don't roast bacon as well, so I have just shoehorned that in. But, you know, I'm going to ask you about Chelsea now. Probably didn't see the game. You've probably only seen the score. But I'm going to ask you one question, one question only, right? And, uh, you need to give me your honest answer. What is a Norwich and should we ban them? Yes. What is the point in society has progressed past the need for Norwich City Football Club? All they do is get relegated for the Premier League and get pumped every week, go to the Championship, win the Championship, come back up, get pumped back down again. They're, they're the epitome of a yo-yo club. Ban them. Yeah, like... It, mu- it must be quite a vicious cycle for Norwich fans, eh? Coming up from the Championship, you're absolutely buzzing that you're winning and then you realise you're going to the Premier League. It's 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 a tough situation. Yeah, like, the thing is, when they go into the Championship... Is basically like they're guaranteed, like Fark is guaranteed to take them straight back up because he knows how to win that league. He's probably one of the only managers that I've known that has been in the Championship, the English Championship, to get it nailed on consistently, but yet get it so wrong in the Premier League. What they should do is when they come into the Premier League, you know, send Fark on like paid leave, send him on garden leave for 12 months, right? And if they get relegated, bring him back, you know, just, you know, we need to get back up, come on. And it's just, it's baffling, and they've just met a Chelsea side who didn't even have, you know, a recognised striker. They just were on form with every other player, and no, I feel bad for Grant Hanley, don't we? He deserves better. Grant Hanley deserves better, you know. For a, a guy who's got the pace of him, he's just wasted in that Norwich defence who are constantly 
chasing a ball. Anyway, Logan, he probably, I know you need to go soon, but this game I, need, I had to bring up because, as again, you probably didn't see it because Cinch is better in Premier League and we all like the Cinch action. But you probably heard that Watford produced a masterclass to win at Everton. Rafa Benitez, you know, a hero with Liverpool for the Champions League, manager at Everton, it was never going to go well. But having Claudio Ranieri out masterclass you, which is beautiful by the way, and have a former player score a hat-trick against you, hat-trick against you what, what is it that Everton have got going wrong? Like, what, what's up? I definitely did see the score of the game because um, it burst my cooking on Saturday <laughs> and I was absolutely raging. Um, I think that Watford, I, I watched the highlights so yesterday, I think that Watford's, I think they just got overpowered Everton in the last like 10-15 minutes. I think what was, they got three goals in like, the last, well, four goals in the last 15 minutes I think it was. So I think that Everton, I mean they've got a, they've got a good side. I mean, few signings that, that they made they obviously signed Demarai Gray from I think it was Leverkusen that he signed for uh, and then they've made obviously Benitez manager but it's a strange one at Everton because you think that they should be like an automatic like top 8 sides but they're not performing like that at the moment although they are you know they've, they've lost the last two games and I think that they're just underperforming a wee bit with the squad that they've got yeah, they've got a squad that I feel like should be better. I can remember when they were in a good start, the first four or five games, that Demary Gray was like, hailed as such a good signing. It's like that. For only 12 million, Everton have got an outstanding player in their hands. I still feel like they do, but something's just went wrong like lately. And they're sitting in eighth for now, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them drop into you know, the 11th, 12th, 13th area and looking at it when Watford are winning against you that's when the red flag should be shown I'm happy because you know Corder Ranieri is the manager I don't like Watford as a club like Ranieri come on Watford to win the Premier League that's all I'm saying yeah we all agree we agree with that yes it's like when GK support this club <laughs> Norwich to get relegated forever and Watford to win the Premier League that is how we're rounding off the football roundup. I just want to say thank you to Struan, Logan and Aaron for, you know, giving me their time, such valuable time, and listening to me spout shite for 66 minutes. What a good time, eh? Um, obviously, Energy Sports might be back. I'm saying might be. We don't know. That's a monthly podcast at this rate. And you can find any articles, podcasts, Anything that you probably, your heart can desire at the Energy Sport website. All you need to do is follow some of the socials over at Twitter at ENRG Sports. I have been telling money with the worst sign-off possible because, you know, see when you write your notes and you forget to do a sign-off, this is how you do it, by winging it. I've been telling money. Thank you, Strun, Logan and Aaron for giving me their time once again for the second time. And we will be back next week with a more professional, more acute and more analytical hosting job with Jack or Sean. Bye for now.